do uh, appreciate the opportunity to be up here again. I don't necessarily like the circumstance on why I'm up here, but, uh, but I do appreciate the opportunity. So, um, yeah, just remember to keep Brother Umstead in prayer. Um, and they know they're, they're trying to figure out what to do. So, um, you know, in prepping for this, in, in, in prepping for this, this uh, Sunday school this morning, something struck me, and, and it's, it's something I've thought about in the past, um, but I, I don't know if we really think about it. Or, you know, one thing I absolutely love about the Word of God and is, is how God used men to pen the Word of God. You know, he could have just said, creation, here's my word, and dropped a tablet on the ground and said, study it, live by it. And it would have been perfect, but he didn't do that. You know, through his wisdom, through his infinite knowledge, God decided that through his inspiration to use his ultimate creation to tell this story. Um. But, you know, maybe more important than just this man that was overtaken in writing, he used every part of that man. You know, he used that man's experiences, his life, his childhood, his culture, his likes and dislikes to tell the full story and make it one we can relate to today. Um, He used David, you know, his successes and his failures in life. Uh, He used the trials that Job faced. He used... Ezra and Daniel and their circumstances as Babylonian Jews. And uh, he used Luke uh, and Luke's training as a doctor to, to meticulously do the research to tell the story of Christ. Um, one of my favorites, he used Paul. You know, he used Paul's background as a Pharisee, the chief of sinners. But he also used something about Paul that I and probably a lot of people in this room can relate to. You know, by the way Paul wrote, I believe that many, and it, the words he wrote, the words he used, I believe Paul loves sports. Paul was a sports fan. Think about it. How many times did Paul write about running, wrestling, boxing, or some contest? God knew that men, specifically, could relate to this terminology, this vernacular, right? So, I'm going to look at one of these this morning. Turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter number 6. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6. And we're going to start in verse 11. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Let's pray real quick. Grace, Heavenly Father, thank you for this day, Lord. Thank you for this day in your house, Lord. Just um, be with this Sunday school hour, Lord. Give me the right words to say, and and, uh, uh, help me uh, say what I ought and not say what I ought not say, Lord. And just uh, give us a good time in your word this morning, in your name. So, Really, these, these two verses, and, and throughout this whole book of Timothy, really, Paul's wrapping up and kind of putting a bow on his instructions to Timothy. Throughout the book, Paul's imparted this knowledge of Timothy of how to lead the church. 
really, I want to focus on two words, or well, four words, I guess. Um, four words in this, in this verse, or in, 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 in really in one verse of this, in verse number 12. Um, we're going to kind of set our sights on, the, on this one little phrase, and I hope God uses it, like I said, I hope he uses it today as he's, for you guys as he did when I've been preparing this. So in verse 11, Paul starts to kind of wrap up this, this book, um, his teachings. First, you know, Paul, you see Paul reminds Timothy to flee. Look back, um, you know, verse 11 with me, Paul says, flee these things. While he doesn't define these things, I believe he's referencing uh, things he warned Timothy about earlier in the book. You know, flee bad doctrine, as we saw in chapter 1. Flee false teachers, as chapter 4 said. Flee the love of money earlier in chapter 6. You know, second, as, as we go through verse 11, Paul continues and, and reminds Timothy to follow. The word follow is uh, translated to pursue or to press on. So Paul encourages Timothy and, and you know, just, I guess, an encouragement for, for us this morning is follow righteousness, follow godliness, follow faith, follow love, follow patience, follow meekness. Um, but really, like I said, where, where we want to set our sights today or where I want to set our sights today is, is on those first four words, uh, five, four words of verse 12. Paul instructs Timothy to fight. And that's where I want to focus this morning is fight. So first Paul says, fight the good fight. So fight here, this is actually um, in terms of a boxing match, really. Um, it's, it's that struggle for a prize is, is, is what fight is translated as. Um, you know, Paul says, fight the good fight. We got to fight the good fight. We got to stand up for Jesus. You know, um, I, every time I, I, I can't help but think of, of that, you know, stand up, stand up for Jesus, you soldiers of the cross, you know. So um, we're soldiers in this battle. Thinking in those terms, I kind of can't help but ask myself, when's been my last fight for the faith? So I kind of wanted to pose that question to you guys is, when's your last fight for the faith been? You know, we're not called to be agitators. We're not called to go out and look for a fight and pick one with somebody. But if one comes, we're called to be ready. You know, we're to put on the whole armor of God and be ready to, to defend and fight for, faith, for the faith. So much like a boxer would prepare for a boxing match or a soul. Um, you know, remember the words in Ephesians that, that, that uh, again, Paul penned. Um, stand there. Uh, I'll go back to verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand the wiles of the devil. devil. Another, another sports reference. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. So again, he talks about standing and fighting. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Um, 
you know, so we have to prepare, like, a, like I said, like a boxer, like a soldier prepares. We have to prepare. And really, this, this passage in Ephesians is how we prepare, you know. So let me ask again, when's been the last fight? But let me take it a step further. What are we doing to prepare, or are we prepared when one comes? You know, are we standing for truth? Are we standing for righteousness? Are we standing for holiness? Are we standing for godliness? Are we standing for Jesus? Um, you know, when you, when you think about it, how, how, how do I prepare? I don't, I don't know. Look back at Ephesians 6. That's how we prepare, you know. Are we in his word? Are we in his house every time the doors are open? Are we under solid preaching, but then applying it to our lives? Are we witnesses for him? Are we soul winning? Are we, you know, uh, out at, are we at revival meetings or special meetings when we have them? Are we using our talents for God? Or, you know, are we just here? At our, you know, I'm, I'm here. So how we answer each of those questions really defines how prepared we are when the fight comes. Um, you know, today, I, I really, I was, I was like, as I was uh, thinking about what to, to talk about, I really wanted to do something on Easter, but I just, God wasn't giving me an Easter message. So I, you know, I went, went this way. But, you know, as, as we're remembering today, the, the agony, the pain, the scourging, the beating, the suffering that Jesus went through to freely give us the gift of eternal life, you know, Today, we, we remember how, for a time, God literally turned his back on his son, his only son, and they were separated for the first and only time in all of eternity. You know, we're celebrating that the fact that Jesus conquered death and rose on that third day like he promised. You know, we're celebrating the fact that through his blood, we have been bought and redeemed. But what are we doing? You know, what, what has been our last fight for the faith? And what are we doing to prepare when one comes? You know, he spilt his blood for us, you know, but we can't be bothered to be at church outside of Sunday morning. You know, he was beaten within inches of his life, but we can't use our talents, talents that he's given us for, for his glory. Um, he literally, you know, if you read the account, he literally sweated blood. I don't, I, I've never sweated blood, but he sweated blood but it's too much to go visit somebody on a Saturday and give up a couple hours, you know. Um, he had spikes, not nails, you know. We see nails driven through his hands. No, they were spikes driven through his hands and his feet. Yet, we don't have time to read, you know, read his word. Um, he gave up his most precious possession on this earth, his life. But we can't talk to somebody out of, to, to, to talk to somebody about him out of fear. You know, so the first part when I was looking at it is really challenging is we got to fight the good fight. We got to do it, but we got to prepare. We got to do a lot of work for it. But not only do we fight the good fight and prepare for it, we need to fight for biblical doctrine. You know, Paul talks about it earlier in, in this, this chapter. Um, it, and, and really, it's mentioned in pretty much every single book in the New Testament, you know. Uh, go back to verse 3 of, of 1 Timothy with me. And it says, uh, 
If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strives of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmising, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. You know, so we've got to distance ourselves from non-biblical preaching like like God says, but we need to, to fight for biblical doctrines. We need to fight for holiness. We need to fight for righteousness. We need to fight for godliness. Um, you know, I was, I was doing some reading, and, and in the book of Titus, Paul really talks about this. Um, you know, I think we like to think that today is is unlike any other day. And, you know, today, not today, but today, the age we live in is unlike any other day. And it, and it is. We see our country kind of sliding down a hill with uh, uh, just the ocean in sight, and we're going to fall in. But, you know, I, I think a lot of times, you know, the, the time that Paul penned a lot of these these words through through inspiration was a lot like this day and age. You know, m- much like today, Paul saw holiness, righteousness, godliness as, as almost an endangered species, if you will. Um, many people, and, and unfortunately, many Christians don't desire those things. They don't desire holiness. They don't desire righteousness. We don't desire godliness. But, you know, and, and sadly, some, and some Christians don't even understand the concept of it. You know, what's, what's right is right. What's right in my eyes is right. Um, you know, we're not to mirror the world or reflect a lost society, God really expects different of us as Christians, you know. So as I was, I was looking at this, I was reading uh, in Titus, and it really kind of, in a nutshell, talked about how we need to press and fight for godliness and holiness and righteousness in our entire life. So, if, you know, and, and not today, but I, I, I encourage you to look at Titus because it's interesting. So chapter 1 in Titus really shows the emphasis of, of these three traits, the holiness, righteousness, godliness, and the church. You know, he's writing to Titus, and he's kind of explaining the order of the church and the importance of leadership living a holy spiritual life. Everything that in the church ought to point to God and not resemble anything of this world. You know, as um, and that's specific to the church, and in pastors in the church and leaders in the church, but, you know, kind of as a side note, and I've, I think I said this the last time I was up here, just because you don't hold an office in a church or you're a, you know, a teenager or, a, you know, a young kid, um, every single one of us is a leader of some sort, you know. Uh, Joel, you've probably got little kids looking up to you, as, you know, uh, you know, I know, Sam, you're, you know, I know there's men that look to you. Jim, same thing. You know, it's, it's each one of us is, is a, or should be a leader in this church. Um, in chapter 2, Paul kind of shifts and emphasizes the need for holiness, righteousness, and godliness in the home. You know, and, and I think that kind of hits, hits home because that starts with us. Um, you know, our, our home will really only be as godly as we are. Um, what's preached 
uh, here, what's taught here, um, must be reinforced in our, in our homes. Um, and then in, in chapter 3 uh, of Titus, Paul kind of shifts to the world, and <laughs> the world desperately needs holiness. The world desperately needs righteousness. The world desperately needs godliness. You know, we need to live our Christianity in this, in this world. It doesn't do us any good to be here on Sunday, but then live Monday through Saturday as if this place doesn't exist. Um, you know, we're not to be worldly, but we do live in it. And we ought to display the faith that lives in us to the world around us. So, you know, Paul says, fight the good fight. So we fight the good fight. We fight for biblical doctrines, but, and, and this is kind of where the, that was all really introduction to the, 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 I guess the most encouraging part of the message is we don't fight alone. Um, you know, we need to prepare. We need to do our work. We need to be ready. But never once in the Bible does God tell us that we're on our own in this fight. You know, you think about it in terms of, of well, if you think of it in boxing terms, I guess you could think of it in boxing terms. The boxer is the one that boxes, but he's not alone. He's got a, he's got a, a team in his corner that's, that's helping him in between every round, you know? Um, kind of like the military, you think of it in, in militaristic terms. We've got a fantastic military that protects this country and, and the laws of this land and what this, this stands for. God has a military that's designed to protect his word his doctrines, his truth. And the part of it that, that's kind of the key to me is there are fellow soldiers standing shoulder to shoulder with you. You know, every man in this room, every lady in the upper room should be standing with us in this fight or with me in this fight. Um, you know, but, but I think <clears throat> more importantly, so, so that's an encouragement, right? We, we've got other guys standing with us. We're not alone in this battle. But I think more importantly, we have someone that's a little bigger, a little greater, standing with us as well. And the cool part about it is he's already actually won the war. Um, you know, God's standing with us, and we just need to look to him. So um, kind of as, as an encouragement this morning, turn with me to Psalm chapter 34. Um, Psalm 34, um, and uh, I'm going to read verse, I'm going to read verse 5. <clears throat> and uh, Psalm 34, verse 5 says, They looked unto him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. Um, so, I mean, let's face it, we live in an era of fear and uncertainty. I mean, this, if this last year is, has shown us nothing, it's but fear and uncertainty in the, in the world, Right? with everything going on around us, it's easy for us to focus on the wrong thing. You know, some people will fix their eyes on current events, on what's going around, on around them. Others look for that treasure that's just out of reach. Um, still others look inward and, you know, are kind of consumed by narcissism or self-loathing. But each one of those will lead to fear or disappointment because the focus of your attention is on something that 
um, it's flawed. It's inherently flawed. You know, current events are always changing, so there's always kind of a moving target with current events. The treasure, you know, as soon when you get it, it just doesn't quite satisfy like you thought it was. Um, Self-focus is always doomed with disaster. But the psalmist here, um, David writes uh, of those who had a different focus. You know, the verse doesn't say who the psalmist is referring to when, they, when he references them, they, the, the they. He doesn't talk about who the they are, but they looked unto him regardless of, we don't, it doesn't matter really who the they are. We have an example, a good example of found in, in the choice that they made in the consequences of, of that choice. Um, so David, a little background on this. David's writing this psalm after fleeing in fear from the king of Gath. You know, so uh, go to, you can look at this story if you want to make notes. 1 Samuel 21, 10 through 15. So David's fleeing the wrath of Saul. He makes a pretty foolish choice and he goes to Gath, which is a Philistine city. Now, I don't know if you remember, you know, from when you're a little kid, David, David kills a guy named Goliath. Kind of a big dude, tall um, champion of the Philistines. So David goes to this city in Gath. He's carrying this sword of Goliath that he took and he cut Goliath's head off with. He's carrying this sword with, with him to this town in Gath. Let me ask a question. Does anybody know what Goliath's hometown is? No? It's the city of Gath. So David is well known for killing Goliath. He's carrying Goliath's sword, and he's fleeing to this town that is Goliath's hometown. Probably not the best choice for David. So the men in Gath start speaking against David and, and you know, essentially coming after him. And, if, you know, read the story later, but David kind of pretends to be crazy to get away, you know, feigns madness. Um, so he runs away, and he ends up in this cave, um, and uh, it, that's, that's where he penned these words as he's in this cave. So, so look back at chapter, or verse 4. He says, I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. So he finally made the right choice, and he sought the Lord after trying other things that, that ultimately failed. Um, but, you know, just a couple things I wanted to highlight, and, and this is kind of where the, the, the meat of the message, the encouragement is today. So first, look at the direction of their look. They looked unto him. So that's saying that their direction, their focus was, wasn't on what's going on around them. wasn't on that they're fleeing Saul and they're fleeing the Philistines and they're hiding in a cave. They turned their focus on the Lord. You know, David made a foolish choice in fleeing to Gath initially, leaving Saul, you know, running away from Saul and going to Gath. But he finally realized the danger of that situation, of, the, of focusing his attention in the wrong place. You know, and I, I just thought, how often are we guilty of that same response? You know, instead of looking around us, all this stuff going on, you know, work's busy and, uh, you know, my kid's sick and whatever it is, or, you know, I'm going to have surgery. The fear, you know, instead of looking at, at that and seeing only fear, only worry, we got to look up. You know, as, as 
the psalmist expressed in Psalm 121, I will lift up mine eyes to the hills, from whence cometh my help? My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. You know, we can look up by looking in the scriptures. Look to God, look to his word. Um, the more we're in the word, the more God is revealed to us. You know, we can also look up by supplication, by prayer. Um, a lot of times, and, I, and I'm guilty of this more often than I like to admit, prayer is kind of the last resort. You know, it's, I've tried everything else. Oh, God, help me. But really, it should be our first response when we're faced with uncertainty, when we're faced with fear. You know, as we seek God out, as we look for his help, we find that the circumstances and the problems that we face are really brought into the per proper perspective because problems are nothing with, with, with God in your corner, if you will, if, you know, going back to the boxing analogy. Next, um, next, you know, see the delight from their look, you know, and they were lightened in verse five. They looked unto him and they were light and were lightened. You know, the word lightened here, it's pretty simple. It means to be cheerful. You know, when we look at circumstances in this world, we can certainly, there's reasons to be discouraged, distressed. When we look to ourselves, we can be discouraged. When we look to others, we can be disappointed. But when we look to the Lord, when we look to God, it brings joy, it brings cheerfulness. Um, finally, in this verse, we see the discovery um, and their faces were not ashamed. They looked unto him. They were lightened. So they, they looked to God. They were cheerful. And then it says, and their faces were not ashamed. Um, this word ashamed here carries the idea of, of disappointment, of being disappointed. Um, when they looked to God, they were not ashamed. They were not disappointed. You know, when we look to Christ... We will never be disappointed. There is no disappointment in, in looking to Christ for our, uh, in, in, in our area, in our fight, as, as we're preparing to fight, as we're fighting a battle. The, we need to look up. So, you know, just kind of as, as we're wrapping it up this morning, I, I just want to challenge you guys this morning. I, I challenge you, be prepared for the fight that's coming. There is a fight coming. If it hasn't already come, there is a fight coming. Be prepared for it. Prepare for it. Get into his word. I challenge you to be in his house. Be in his word. Look to God. Look up to God. You know, I challenge you, as, as we read in Ephesians, put on that whole armor of God. Be Again, be ready to... Uh, we don't wrestle against things going on in this world, the, the powers, the, the principalities, uh, you know, this world itself, but we wrestle against one enemy, and and like I said, it's the enemy God's already defeated in the end, but we still need to fight the battles here. You know, I, I challenge you to fight. Fight the good fight. Fight for biblical truth. Fight for holiness. Fight for righteousness. Fight for godliness. Um, but as I, as I was writing that part, I was kind of like, wow, this is kind of a, I don't know. It, it, it just felt like I needed to encourage you this morning also. You know, I, I, I encourage you. And, and this is an encouragement to me. Look to your fellow soldiers. Look to your, your fellow soldiers for support in this fight. You know, you're not alone. There, there are many men in this room that are willing to help fight, to help you prepare. 
You know, I encourage you to not not get disappointed, not be downtrodden, not be distraught because of the circumstances going on. But most importantly, I, I want to encourage you guys to, to look up to the hills. Um, look up to the hills from whence cometh my help. Look to God. He'll never leave. He'll never forsake. He'll never disappoint. Um. Look up to God. Uh, let's go ahead and close. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, this day. Thank you for this time in your word this morning, Lord. Thank you for uh, um, just the way you've used this, uh, these, these challenges and encouragements in my life as, as I prepared, Lord. I pray that it, you do the same in these, these men's life, Lord, and that uh, um, we are prepared when that battle comes, Lord, and, and we're ready to fight it, Lord. Just give us a good day in your, in your word, just uh, celebrating the resurrection this morning, Lord, in your name. Amen. A little early, but we've got some extra time now.